This is the Trail Trash Podcast. What is up, fellow runners? It is John, Will, High West Will, and myself, your unapologetic, unhumble host, Garrett. Jason may be popping in. He may be making a guest appearance. Uh, I guess in the beer pong world, we would call it a celebrity shot. Um, but I don't know if he's going to pop in or not. So we'll see. If he does, we'll get his two cents on uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. Rookie mistakes. Things that we wish we uh, could fix, maybe. Things that we wish we knew before we started. Um Things that may have prevented nasty injuries that we could <laughs> that we could certainly visit. So um I'll I'll start, I guess. I guess my biggest rookie mistake or the thing I wish I knew first was how important strength training could be and how beneficial it could be. Cause a lot of us, I think, when we when we think running, you just think long miles all outside, not a lot of strength stuff. Um, I think that's a, that's a misconception because especially when you spend as much time as Will does over in Gatlinburg, we, <laughs> as I put him on the spot there, um, leg strength is important. And it's not just a running leg strength. You're shaking your head. Why? Why do you disagree with that? I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, and I think, and I'm not sitting there thinking, okay, go squat, you know, 350 pounds, 10 reps, three sets of 10 in the gym. Um, but I do think that there is a benefit to having put in strength training and not what, stop shaking your head and give your thoughts. I think uh, <clears throat> while it's important to go, faster i think endurance is much more important than leg strength when it comes to running mountains um and i'm not and i'm not saying it's it's not because you do have to have endurance when you're running up elevation but is it not beneficial to have stronger quads stronger hamstrings stronger calves and all the supporting muscles around that I think it's beneficial. It, yeah, but form. I can, but but I can, but I can build that strength by like you know actually running like on trails and stuff. To a certain extent, but you can't build muscle without weight increase. So that is one thing that I wish I knew, which clearly you guys can disagree with, and that's perfectly fine. That's because we're weaklings, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. John's calves are as big as our quads. So if we're just going to be honest, John has clearly done something in a gym somewhere, or he just really likes to walk stairs. He's got those sexy high heel calves. <laughs> Drag show, John. Is that, is that an only fans episode right there? <laughs> no, that would be where I'd start. And, and, Part of that is my coach that I used last year, we did a lot. Not, and again, it's not a ton of strength training. We had one heavy day a week. Um, it, but a lot of it was 
repetitions and things like that. Um, in in what, but, yeah, mm-hmm. what kind of exercises did he have you do? Yeah, that's um, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was going to chime in on. When you say strength training, that's a very nebulous term, so you're going to have to be more specific because some well, people okay. say, yeah. When when you when I say strength training, do you remember the Planet Fitness commercials? When Planet Fitness was really making a name for themselves, and they had those bad commercials, and the big the, the one that in particular that always comes to my mind is you see this guy walking around with a gallon water jug, and he's like, "Yeah, this is our the Planet Fitness guy showing him around," and he just goes, "I lift things up and put them down," and he just takes a drink and he takes him somewhere. Like, I lift things up and put them down, and they're making fun of meatheads. Essentially, is what they're doing. Um, and I'm not saying we're sitting there throwing around weights like we're Ronnie. Oh gosh, who was the the lightweight guy? Ron Col- Ronnie Coleman. Um, but it was a lot of, and it was a lot of off balance stuff at the same time. So farmers walks where you're holding a 45 pound dumbbell in one hand, um, because it works your minor muscles that don't necessarily get worked. It well, seems like what you're describing to me, and I would agree with this, is uh, strengthening your core. Well, and a lot of exercises that are are really, really targeting your core. Well, because everything stems from your core. Right. And I agree with that. You've got to have a strong Mm -hmm. core. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but it sounds like the type of exercises, picking up the water, putting it down (laughs) or whatever you were doing, that's, that's to me, that's things up and put them down. No, No, I mean, cause we did do, um, there were some squats and deadlifts and all of these things that work your major muscle groups and, and it, your core is definitely worked in a deadlift. Um, But then there were also days when it was a lighter weight and we would do things like uh, if I say Romanian deadlift, do you know what I'm talking about? Or or a straight leg deadlift or uh, things that were a little more focused on your hamstrings than necessarily a core specific exercise. And there's tons of research. If you want to do research on uh, Coop has a great episode on uh on the benefits of strength training um earlier on in a training block and kind of whittling those down um as the block goes on um but yeah so i i I do think that strength training depending on where you are in your block especially if you're a newer runner could pay a lot of dividends down the road well, my question to that is, and I, I'm not denying any of this because I really didn't know much about it. Um, mm-hmm. Why would you start? And we're talking about what a, a four to six month training plan. Is that what you're describing here? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Your, okay. your standard hundred miles. Why would you, you know, if you stop lifting heavy weights over the course of time, you're losing that strength. Why would you focus on lifting weights like that at the beginning of a training block only to stop later? What is the purpose of that? It's not, Knowing it's not that a focus. Yeah. Well, well the point of your training block, like, it should be designed so you start with like the least specific um, types of like training and workouts, and then work down to more specific to your race, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if I'm training for a hundred miler, I'm not going to be doing like mile repeats as my last like you know big workout. Right. Right. I, I would. <laughs> I mean, I mean, people like David Goggins would, you know, Mr. Oh, I'm going to go do like a bunch of like a, like a three hour powerlifting session the night before my hundred mile race when I've never run an ultra, but. So, okay. Well, that, my question still stands. What is, what, what are you doing in the beginning? What well, is and, that for then? And you're what not, is, it for? is in, it to get you ready for something? 
that because if you're going to stop doing that later on, you're going to lose your gains. What's it for? I'm just curious. I really want to know. Sure. And you don't stop. You just change what you do. And it's not, we weren't in the gym five days a week. We're talking and and we're not in there for two to three hours. Max, we were in there for 45 minutes. You bang them out. You're done one to two days a week. It's not like you're you're living in the gym. You're not trying to put on serious muscle mass. What you are trying to do, though, is strengthen your legs. That way, because the more miles you put on later in a training block, the less you want to necessarily throw 350 pounds. And I'm just using that as an arbitrary number because it's just what I used to whatever. Um, it's It's not going to be as beneficial later in a block as it will early in a block. So uh, one question I have about that is how do you feel like what benefits do you feel like you personally gained from that overall leg strength, like overall total body strength now that that you retained throughout the training block? That being said, well, yes and no. And and let me let me phrase it this way. You're not going to see significant muscle mass loss in a short window, like a like a two month window. You're not going to see as long as you're still maintaining, not necessarily increasing or building, but as long as you're maintaining, you're not going to see significant muscle loss like that. Uh, you know, it's not me, like all the work you do in the first month is going to be gone by the week of your hundred miler. The reason I ask, and like I said, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not a sure. fitness guy. Uh, if you're going and you're lifting 300 pounds with your legs for the first six weeks of a six month plan, and then you stop doing that and you start running more. I don't, me personally, I don't see how you retain what you gained in that six weeks over the course of the six months, because you stopped doing that very specific thing. The only way it makes sense to me, and I'm just guessing is maybe it's some kind of primer exercise to get your body ready for certain stresses. And then you work into the, I don't know, maybe, but me, you know, I used to lift weights a little bit, probably not like you did Garrett. And then I I ran a lot. Me, the, I've always had strong legs, so I've never really worried about that. I've always been a climber. Mm-hmm. I like working out, doing the thing I'm going to be doing in that race, and that's uh, working my legs specifically for the terrain I'm going to be in and working my stabilizers, everything that stabilizes my legs because of uneven terrain. And that's how I feel it. That's what I feel would benefit you most. I just don't understand how lifting weights for just a piece now if you told me oh you lift weights throughout the training you do you do you the, just, the same the same way and you you're you slowly work your way up in increments as far as the weight or the repetitions if you did that throughout the training okay it made sense to me it just to me i'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around okay you do this real heavy for a couple weeks or a month and then you stop to focus on something else to me, no. I don't understand what the point is, if that's the no. case. Yeah, no. So you don't go cold turkey. You don't stop. You still, you just change. And then as, and like John was saying, as your race gets closer, 
then you don't do as many heavy days or you drop your weight and you increase your repetitions. Um, so you're still lifting throughout the plan. You're just not, okay, I started at 250. By the end of the plan, you're squatting, you know, 475. You're not sitting there trying to continually bulk up and gain muscle mass. You start heavy and there are still heavy days throughout the whole training plan. Okay. Well, it, I guess it makes sense to me. It's just, it, to me, the lifting weights, if, if I was looking at it and I'm an amateur, like I've said several times, I would be concerned if I did that with just working the core, getting the core strong more than I would, you know, trying to do leg presses, you know, sure. Sure. sitting leg presses. But I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Probably am. No, that's not, I mean, because everything stems from your core. Like if you if you have a weak core, everything else is going to be weak. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, so you do have to. And and that's why hex bar. I love the hex bar. If you don't know what that is, that's fine. It's it's basically a deadlift thing. It's a hexagonal bar that you stand in and it has the, the handles on the side. That's my favorite way to deadlift. Um, but anyway, that's that's for a whole other conversation. So um, and then. We also did a lot of, like I said, functional stuff. So it was stuff that would, because if you sit there and hold a plank, that's not necessarily like you don't, you don't run rigid. Like, see, and so planks are cool. You can hold a plank for three minutes. That would, what do you want? A crumble cookie? I'll get you one. So, yeah. Well, well, the type of exercises I've seen on Instagram where these pro runners are, are showing what they do. Um, I, I see squats at times, squatting lightweight. Um, I've seen balancing themselves on balls, you know, that's working your core and stabilizing mm -hmm. muscles. Mm -hmm. I just see a lot more of that than actual heavy weight lifting. So sure. that's kind of what I was going sure. off. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And, and, and maybe as runners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, but in, if you, it, We'll save it for another episode because it could be it could actually be a good topic. So we'll we'll save it. I was going to say, if you look at a track and field runner and we've kind of talked about it in our offline chat, you look at a track and field runner versus versus a. Well, th that's different there. They do some they do. That's all strength track and field sprinters you're talking about. No, no. Like long distance track guys okay. like the mile trackers or marathoners. Um, no, if you look at a 40 yard or a 40 meter dash guy or whatever it is that it, those dudes are yeah they're yeah because they they train for to be explosive yeah. and very short yes. you know, bursts yeah. yeah um and i'll have to find it like i said we'll save it for another episode because there's actually a pretty good paper written on it from the early 2000s and i'll drop it in show notes uh or send it so jason can drop it in show notes about how if you looked at a, a trail runner at the time um they were typically a stronger build than a marathoner who is typically slender, much more lean, didn't need all the muscle mass because okay, so that have all the so that, that that in and in and of itself is an interesting point because uh, Jason Coop actually recently uh, released a podcast where he talked about uh, yep. the street. Yeah, a study that was done on the strength <laughs> of trail runners versus road runners. Uh, yes, and that's kind of where how much strength training they do. So if this is a topic that interests you, they can go into a whole lot more detail yes. about that than we can because none of us are exercise physiologists. Right. Um, and also the guy that you true. had in that show 
was one of the people who did that paper or he was under the tutelage of the guy who did that paper. So, um, yeah, that's my thing. Um, I wish. But, uh... <laughs> but, you know, if you look at if you look at today's ultra runners and you look at the top guys and gals, right? Most of them that I see are tall and skinny or very short and skinny. Which which ones are we talking about that are the bigger people? Because I always assumed, well, well, I guess let's define bigger because yeah, Walmsley, yeah, Walmsley true, is yeah. Walmsley is is a beanpole. But exactly. I feel like if you were to look at someone like Zach Miller, I feel like his legs break his shorts. Walmsley, uh, Camille Heron, um, Killian Jornet. He he, how tall is that guy? He can't be that big, right? I don't know how big he is. I don't know how tall. Do he you is. know he's your boy, John? What's his stats? He'd probably give it to us in centimeters because yeah, he's, lo- he's looking it up right. Now. <laughs> uh, no. Um, who? Let's see, Courtney Dahlwalter. Dahlwalter, yeah, yeah. Is she? Uh, uh, Killian is five seven and weighs about a buck thirty. See, I mean, I always assumed that you saw a lot of bigger. Um, it, not necessarily in the in the professional range, you know, and more the mm-hmm. amateur. You saw a lot of yeah. bigger people because that's kind of where we, the bigger people fail. You could you could run pretty good through the woods, but you're not going to keep up with those 120 pound guys on the track. So you just kind of fail into trail running. That, that mm-hmm. but I, that's just my assumption. That's just what I sure. thought. But yeah. I assume a lot of things that aren't correct. That's so. don't we all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, so, so my rebuttal to the whole strength training thing would be this, it's like outside of like having like an injury history where maybe I do need to be more specific about, you know, what strength training I may or may not need to be doing or mobility or whatever is how much time that's taken away from me actually running. Right. So to be a better runner, you actually have to run. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. common sense, but duh but if i have like say like 15 20 minutes extra in a day it's like and i'm training for a race it's like well would that time be better geared towards me running like a couple extra miles or doing like whatever lifting whatever weights or like core training i'm going to opt for like you know running a couple more miles um you know if that type of like like i would be careful about introducing any like extra like training interventions that are like popular on TikTok or Facebook or wherever you saw it before you've like fully exhausted all your options of like, you know, actually run. Side note, John loves TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Useful, um, useful exercises in in ultra running. The two that, that I don't actually, I don't actually exercise for trail running i just run which is probably part of my problem but if you can find an exercise that strengthens your hamstrings keeps them stretched out where you don't pull them and more importantly i think strengthens your ankles for, so when you do roll them which you will many times they pop back without popping um those two to me that's the only really the only exercises i care about keeping those stretched out because those two have hurt me many times you know those two issues but as far as lifting weights 
I don't know if I've ever actually lifted a weight. Could explain why I'm in the condition I'm in now. <laughs> <laughs> lifted weight for running, that is. I've lifted weights in the past. And like I said, I think it's important that when I say strength training, it's not you're in there for two for an hour and a half, two and a half hours a day. Like you're in there. It's such a microcosm of your training, like maybe at most a whole I'm going to be seven and a half percent of your training. Like I was torn between saying five because five didn't seem like enough. 10 is way too much. So I was like, well, let's just split it right in the middle at seven and a half. It's not a huge portion. And you go in there, you bang out, you know, and you could even superset them. And when I say superset, so a typical superset is when you uh, like leg extensions and leg curls. So you flip between the two machines, you strength, you, you basically, so what you do on that is if you don't know a leg curl is you basically lay on your stomach, you put your hands on, or you put your ankles in this thing and you just bring your bring your ankles to your butt you just curl your legs is that helpful for running or helpful for just fitness in general though are you do you feel like when you do that when you do that leg curl you lie on your stomach you do that leg curl um do you think something it's that, it's running strengthen something that strengthens my muscles yeah i would you think it helps you running yeah yeah okay. it could so yeah now, all that being said, I still DNF my last hundred. So no, I'm not. I'm, that's a legitimate question. I'm asking no. you. I'm not trying to. Mm -hmm. You know, I just to me, I, I don't know. I'm trying to. The reason I ask that is, you know, what that you're lifting your legs, you know, to your butt. You're you're doing a curl. Sure. Where do you use that when you're running? So, well, I guess when you're getting off the trail, when you fall down, that happens. <laughs> um, well, and as let's say this, I'm kind of make, I'm kind of being tongue in cheek and all this, just for the sake of being funny. <laughs> so, Someone's so, got to be devil's advocate. I'm sure, you know, I like let's let's make this clear. I know he's going to be at his next race. He's going to be by the trail on me and, and, and he's going to be regretting all of this. He's going to be doing his, his simulating uh, leg curls while running in front of me down the trail, still in a race. But anyway, I know nothing about this stuff. I just know what I do and I hardly ever listen to people and it gets me in trouble. So this is, this is all gibberish coming from me. Believe me, <laughs> follow your, fitness trainer or whatever they tell you to do not what will says or makes fun of <laughs> so let's go into yours then what, what like what was the one thing that or or a couple things i mean it, what do you wish you had it, going back and and i guess when i phrase, i hate when people say this like i when people say what would you tell your younger self well that that implies that i would listen to someone else that was older than me. Cause if you go back and talk to high school Garrett, I did not listen to anyone that was in their thirties. That wasn't a teacher. When they bring in these people, like I did this and this, and I'm like, well, okay, you're stupid. So as you're yeah. 30 something years old and I'm 40 something years old, you still demonstrate that tendency not to listen to your elders. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, <laughs> so what would you, what, if you could go back and again, assuming that younger will or newer runner will would listen to more experienced. Well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about running in general or a specific type of running? Just uh, running in general. Let's just say running in general. Just 
yeah, whether it was 2015 when you when you first started running or 2010 when you were started running. I don't know if that, I'm just throwing out dates. If that's well, when you started running to stop smoking, I should have I should have never started smoking and started running 20 years ago for one thing. That, that's number one. But since I started running, when I transitioned from road to trail, I wish I knew you didn't have to run up every hill. I knew it, but I told myself that was bullshit. I can do this. <laughs> and, and I did it for a while, you know, a couple miles. Um, I will say that is one thing I listened to you on. That's because I learned the hard way and tried to share my my wisdom with you. But we would sit there and and I remember, I don't remember where, but it was you and me. We were running somewhere and you had told Jason, like, we're going to walk this hill. Or you're like, I'm going to run, the, I'm going to walk this hill or jog, whatever it was you said. And Jason, you go ahead and run. And you were still at the top of the hill. You were maybe three whole seconds behind him and you expended a lot less energy than yeah. he did. It, it took me a while to learn that, that it, when you're running uphill like that, you're most people. Now I'm not talking about the elites. Elites will just run off and they'll walk off and leave you when you try to run up a hill. <laughs> but in most cases, what you're using up as far as resources, trying to jog up that hill, you're you're losing in the end because what happens is you try to jog up that hill, and this even applies to road. If you try to run up a hill too too fast, when you round the top of the hill, you're so tired or you've expelled so much energy that you can't come off the other side of the hill as fast as you would if if you kind of rest it going up the hill so anybody who who sat back and kind of rest it going up that hill usually just runs off and leaves you at the top of the hill you don't gain any time and unless you're talking about if you're racing a bunch of elites and you are elite i can see how you can lose time by taking it easy but in most cases you're not you're not gaining anything you're not um, usually uh this lesson just learned by overly enthusiastic people in their first ultra and they are usually like running up and hill while they have someone who's like you know 15 20 years older than them and probably like in the Clyde Steel division who's walking up the hill faster than they're running up it quick right. quick lesson that I learned a few years back and I kind of I think I taught Kara I think she was paying attention she was trying to PR a half marathon Cedars 11 and half marathon that was she wanted to, to PR, but she was looking to have hilly that course was. Yeah, you know, that is a you know. hilly course for any for, for anyone who hasn't run that. Okay, so her she wanted to PR that and she was concerned about being able to because there were so many hills. So what I explained to her, because you know, I, I paced her, I said, watch what we do. So instead of trying to run up every hill as fast as you can and down the hill as fast as you can, I said, Well, we're gonna back off a minute a mile going uphill we're going to take it easy going up the hill and we're going to run off the the back side of these hills downhills harder and we did that and it you're not going to believe this most people won't but i found that it's easier to pr a mildly hilly like half marathon than it is a flat one because you can use all that to your advantage if you take it easy going up the hill and you and followed by a downhill, you can go down that downhill pretty dang fast, and you're never tired. You're you resting, like, going up. You and can let she gravity PR, help you. Right, she you momentum. 
momentum yeah. is what you're using. Yeah. So um, she PR'd it, no problem, by a minute or two. But it's, but it's just learning that lesson is having that wisdom. You know that you don't have to. It, it just because it's hilly doesn't mean you can't do that. You just got to be. You just got to think about it and have a plan sure. and take care of your body. Um, that and if there was something else I learned, um, negative splits are more important than running fast the entire time. Sure, absolutely. Negative, and, and, and most people who are in the know they know that already. Negative splits is where it's at. The reason I think those work so well is that um, like a progression run where you run can where you continuously run negative splits like that does an excellent job of simulating how hard it feels like at the end of a race when you're tired. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. I think it's so psychological. You know, you start a race and let's say it's a, a flat half marathon and you want to run a seven minute pace. Well, you want to average a seven minute pace. It's most people don't realize that you can, or don't, don't think about the fact that you can do that. The first half at a seven thirty pace and the second half at a six thirty pace. And you only have to run a six thirty pace for half the time. Psychologically, once you get to that second half and you, and physically you're, you're not worn out because you only ran a seven thirty pace the first half, right? When you hit that halfway point, you got all that energy that you've been storing up. And then in your mind, you're like, hey, this race is half over. I can let loose now. It makes it easier. Um, and John's point's right on, too. I mean, it's just it's so much of this stuff is psychological. And it really running is really a thinking person's game um, once you know about what you're doing. Once you check. once you understand your body, let's put it that way. Once you understand your body, your uniqueness. And what your body can do, then it becomes a thinking person's game. Yeah, running is kind of chess against yourself. Yeah. So 70% of it, if you're in shape, 70, 80% of it's just psychological. You know, once you're to that point. And it's psychological and then your talent level. You know, we're all, we all have different talent levels. Right. John, what is one thing that you learned the hard way? Um, just uh, from like a running in general perspective, I'd say <clears throat> um, just doing too much too soon. Uh, that's an easy trap to fall into for new runners. Just you get excited about this new thing and it's so much fun and you just want to run a whole lot of miles all the time and all these cool places, but really need to make sure that you're easing into that and you're giving your body the right amount of rest and recovery and making sure you're not overdoing it. To piggyback uh, it's on an easy way. It's an easy way to either get burnout or injured real quick. And I know in my early running days, like I have three or four bouts of Achilles tendonitis, which is just a huge pain and um just an overuse injury that you know could have easily been avoided if i'd backed off a little bit yeah there's nothing like those six to 12 week injuries to damper your spirit when you are starting out i've had a couple right. of them myself. especially if you sign up for a race and then you have to like miss that it runs by your house and you see all these people running by like oh i should have been there <laughs> to, to piggyback on that not just starting 
too much too soon, but not fueling properly and thinking, oh, if I if I don't eat and, and it's kind of weight loss 101 calories in versus calories out. I get that. But so many times people think, oh, if I if I don't eat as much as I used to and I run more, you need to fuel properly. Got to fuel the furnace, baby. Yeah, right. And and so that's one thing that not just and you need to recover right. Like you can't just sit there and be like, okay, cool. I went and did my 12 mile run. Now I can eat whatever. And it, a lot of people do that, myself included. I run for beer. I run for pizza. Like, but yeah, it, it, like you have to refuel correctly as well to help your body recover as much as you can. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on that, um, it was also something I, I've learned and still learning the hard way actually during the run uh drinking enough electrolytes and just plain water i, I wouldn't neglect that and then before you know it you're you're in trouble i get in trouble a lot with that what is your electrolyte source that you use what's your preferred electrolyte source tap water Don't say tailwind tap water yes tap water and wait well water of my enemy yeah. um Rotten grape. I'm the I cannot stand grape flavored things. I like uh, uh, cough syrup to me. I just I can't do it. I don't know how John loves it so much, or you will. I don't I don't know. We were just thinking about how good it tastes. <laughs> you could probably like, you know, freeze some and make it into like a little popsicle, like in those little ice cube trays, like, you know, when you're in, kinder when you're in kindergarten, but those I would be good on a hot day. I wish Didn't... we could, I could snap my fingers and create a twilight zone where the only thing on earth that exists for Garrett is great drink. <laughs> oh man, I could see Garrett great doing drink. like a race, like, um, <laughs> like I say, like ball stay and he's just down the middle of nowhere and, the back roads of Tennessee just completely dry, no water left or anything. And all they have is great Gatorade. Hot road with all the heat raining off the road. And uh, he sees like this this oasis up in front. And all they have yeah. is this big five gallon cooler oh. of grape rotting. It, it's Will with one single glass of grape juice. <laughs> no, I don't mind grape juice. I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's, Oh, wait, wait, artificial gotta, grape flavor i gotta take a note here so i don't get the wrong grape. <laughs> god no. yeah no i just it, it's it's grape flavor and cherries and cherry flavoring all of it that makes me like you know it's like kids it's like, that, uh, flavoring. It's like that uh three pack of popsicles with like the grape the cherry and like the orange in it you don't do those at all no nope, i think you just the orange and let everyone else have the others I think if we talk to Garrett's parents they and we ask them about their Kool-Aid buying habits, I would bet that the only thing in the refrigerator when he was a kid was grape and cherry Kool-Aid. No, <laughs> that, no. That's like, probably I, the issue here. Some deep childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have childhood tra um, trauma from um, tea, uh, iced sweet tea in the big pickle jars you know you know what i'm talking about john you, you parents ever put them in pickle jars you leave them in too long right and the sugar starts to get like slimy 
Yeah. Yeah. I can't drink tea like that anymore. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever make sun tea? Or did your parents ever make sun no, tea? No, we weren't that sophisticated, Garrett. We didn't love like sophisticated. people you, you... <laughs> I lived in Canning County, man. We <laughs> All the more reason I thought you might. All you do is put it in a jar, fill it with water, and put it out in the sunlight. <laughs> no. no, I don't know, man. It's grape flavoring, cherry flavoring. Can't do it. Can't do it. So, Doesn't goo have freeze pops now? I don't know. Do they? I thought Zach Miller or Zach. Uh, yeah, I thought Zach Miller was doing a the only fr- those. The only freeze pops I know of that that I would use at a race is one of those that has that fake tequila in it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the icy pops. <laughs> yeah, you know what? An icy pop right after a summer run. I found I found out yesterday. You know, we were talking about push pops the fact that, that I don't know shit about nutrition and training. <laughs> I, apparently i wasn't supposed to be drinking anything like before races or <laughs> months leading up to races hold on what was it what was I, it you kinda, i'm kind of bummed I'm, I'm kind of bummed now i don't know what i'm gonna do it kind of affects my training plan i don't what is it you're not I mean, supposed uh, to be drinking anything alcoholic i mean different strokes for different folks you know some people are delicate and know can't drink any alcohol like you know a year before their race that they haven't even registered for and then some people stay up all night drinking it and probably not even getting any sleep we don't we still don't know to this day how much sleep we got before that race i i I know i was the last one to go to bed and i was up two hours before everybody else i don't remember what happened in between but um yeah, so I can't my half my nutrition plan for races is gone now. I cannot pop pop ibuprofen and drink whiskey before a race anymore. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I'm 42 years old, my body's falling apart. I'm not allowed to have any painkillers, none. You know, it's really a miracle that no one's contacted you for like some type of study about your physiology if you're <laughs> popping ibuprofen and drinking whiskey yeah. before races and these, still alive. These days they would look at me and go, yep, you see what happens when you do that and keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> you see kids, this is why you we see? don't do that. We, t- we tried to tell him. Yeah. And I send that kid, it's a picture, that picture we have of Will making that face. <laughs> wait what oh oh that one that one (laughs) it's this is what happens when that was the day i lost my shit i ain't been the same since oh and that was braces will too yeah yeah. so (laughs) what else what other what other wise words would you give younger you oh lord um don't your first pair of running shoes, I know you're tempted to save money. Don't go to Walmart and buy them unless it's a dare. Somebody My first pair came from them. a uh, JCPenney, actually. Well, oh, that's really? still not Walmart. That's still that's still not Walmart, man. JCPenney's fine as long as it's the discontinued, you know, or the, the older uh, actual running shoes. I think mine, my running shoes were made out of vinyl or something, the ones I bought. I'm not positive. You sure didn't buy uh, slippers instead? No, no, they weren't slippers. So, that's <laughs> that's a story in itself, right there. Vinyl shoes, do pray tell, pray tell. My first, 
my first pair of real running shoes were Under Armour from Academy, and man, they weighed like twenty five percent with those ones from Walmart. Like, <laughs> I could fly in those things. I was blown away at the difference. I think my first real pair of running shoes, like I had a pair of like Asics or something. I remember my when Ultra first came out, my mom was like, hey, these are supposed to be really good running shoes. They were the ugliest, stupidest looking pair of shoes I've ever seen in my life. But I had one Jay, of the first Jason pairs. Would, of Jason would think those were cool then. He'd probably be like, dude, those are antiques. Let me get those. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Asics was probably my first pair of road running oh, shoes. Another, I got another one for you. Um, and I found this out the hard way when running through a parking lot, uh, training for my first 5K when I first started this. Uh, do something with your laces, double knot them, tuck them, something. Um, because if you don't, they're liable to come undone and you're going to face plant, most likely. I learned that the hard way. Don't have to worry it, about that with Solomon. It, it, well, yeah. If you ever notice my running shoes, I don't double knot. I don't even trust that. I tuck my laces into themselves. If you if you ever look at my shoes, it's because I hurt myself pretty bad. Well, <laughs> in some in like my Hoka Speed Goats, the Evo Speed Goats, those laces are long. Some mm -hmm. shoes just have long laces. Um, yeah. So there are some that I tuck as well. So. Um, it's worth it to buy higher end clothes. If you think you're going to run longer distances with five plus miles, you can avoid a lot of heat issues and chafe issues. And more importantly, wasting a lot of money rebuying clothes you thought you were only going to buy once because you realize they suck. So that was one thing that, that I thought I'm like, okay, cool. All you need is shorts, shirt, shoes, running is cheaper. Then I no, it is. I was wrong. So don't get into running thinking it's cheap fitness. Well, wait a minute. There, there's, the, but yeah, you got to look at it like this. If you're a runner and you're, and you're just you're doing it for fitness and, and you're running nine ten miles a week, which is awesome, yep. you can get away with a pair of shoes, a shirt, you know, you know. Yeah. But if you're going to start running different distances and conditions on trail off trail marathon you're going to start running a lot of different disciplines that's when it gets expensive because you need you don't need i mean you can get away with the basics but if you want to perform in a way that you're not going to get chaffage and black toe and other things from happening and overheating you're going to want better gear naturally because we're human beings and you're probably going to spend eh, what would you say I, i've probably spent a couple thousand dollars in the last five years and just just oh, running stuff easily yeah yeah i mean the race fees is where it really oh gets expensive, I didn't think about especially that. especially if you like traveling somewhere but i mean you can still like you run in you know fairly minimal if you want to it's it you know it is it's you know it's whatever you want to make it True. Yeah. yeah. How many you, pairs? How many pairs of shoes do you get for a training block? A typical hundred k, hundred mile training block. That's a John question. I, I don't keep up with that stuff. I just. What What do you do, John? How many you buy? What I do. I don't know. Uh, I mean, not nearly as many as I used to. I just. I don't. 
I just I just don't feel like I need a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think when you've got a lot of like like me, I don't keep up with it because I've got a lot of shoes laying around. I can always find a pair of shoes that have still got some life in them. They may not be yeah. ideal, but there's something laying around. Yeah, to be honest, I bought a, I bought a wider variety of shoes when I did more road running, actually, because I'd have my, you know, my daily trainers. I'd have like, you know, a lighter weight shoe for like, you know, mid distance, like tempo runs and then like, you know, a pair of like racing flats for like, you know, 5K, 10K type stuff. I don't really pay attention to that stuff except for actual races, you know, tempo, run, all that stuff. I just kind of put anything on, but it's. It, when it comes to races, I'm particular about what I wear, but that's a, even with the clothes. I mean, I've got, since Will got fat, like Will has, I've got $10 shirts from Amazon just because it, I don't want to spend $50 on a shirt. <laughs> on a thinking that, shirt. Yeah. Thinking I'm going to lose weight, which doesn't look like it, but think I am. And then it'd be trash anyway. So these days I'm pretty minimum. Uh, I don't minimal. I don't pay attention to much stuff like that sure sure um oh another thing i learned the hard way um if you can help it and i know life happens don't get too out of shape <laughs> it is so if you if you get into shape running or whatever you do um and you feel like sitting down and not doing the things that help you got you healthy for six months. If that's on your mind, I'm just going to sit down for six months and you can help not allowing that to happen. I recommend against allowing that to happen because it's really freaking hard to come back from it. it yep. Yeah. I, I mean, that's like, you know, Newton's law of motion about, you know, an object at rest tends to stay at rest. An object in motion tends, tends to stay in motion. And that's that one reason. Dirty. Was that his like that's one point? reason for me like i try to even like on my rest days i'll do something even if it's just like one easy mile just 10 15 just super easy minutes running as you know i've built that habit to get the consistency that i have and if you know i'm in a funk or whatever i can still you know have that part of my day set aside even if it's just a few minutes and, you know, still build on that habit because, you know, if I don't go out and do that, then, you know, it's easy for one day to turn in like two or three. And then I'm just, oh, yeah, yeah. And then just, yeah. you know, you yeah. end up in this, like just this mental funk. That's just a whole lot harder to get it, out of. It's amazing how one or two days, how easily it can turn into two to three weeks and how five or 10 pounds can turn into 40 or 50 pounds. It's amazingly easy. <laughs> it's, yep. It happens. You know, some people can't help it. And completely understandable, but if you're in a situation to where you can, I highly can help it and keep that from happening. I highly recommend, um, if you are hoping to continue to do the things you're able to do today and you're in shape to do what John says, just at least do something bare minimum to kind of stay on target because I'll, I'll give you an example. Two years ago, I could run a 530 mile, which is not that fast, but it was it it was good enough for me. Compared to the general population, that is um, very fast. That's <laughs> flying will. Like <laughs> um today, if I tried to go do it, I I don't think I could do an 830, eight minute mile. 
without you know at the end bend over coughing you know, i mean it's just it, like i would average 10 15 mile runs seven minute pace and now i can't do five miles faster than a 10 minute pace yeah, and you don't realize you really don't realize what you lost until it's gone and it's gone right now and i'm trying to get it back and it's really freaking hard it's really hard yeah so basically you're you've you lost it i don't want to say i guess let me rephrase that you got in shape you were in shape for a while and then you lost it so now you have to get, so you're essentially getting it uh, well, twice well you got to understand a lot of people that a lot of people that do this, they start running, they really get into it, you know, and they hold on to it for four or five years, they get burned out. You know, you're looking at a four or five year window. Sure. I've been in shape. I was in shape in, for 15 years and then I lost it. And it wasn't that me, anything inside of me changed that was out of my control, except my mentality, things that were going on. Um, I lost my drive, uh, other things going on other things come up that were more important in the moment. And if you stop, you know, I, 15 year run being in shape, it took a year and a half to get where I am now. That's how easy it is to lose it. And the problem with that is I'm 42 years old. And if I don't get it back, I'm prone to, because I'm getting older. I'm prone to other things happening that are very unhealthy. I've already, I've already developed high blood pressure. My heart rate has gone up 20, 30 beats per minute. You know, um, other things are happening to me that didn't used to when I was in shape. After 15 years, it took a year and a half to get to where I'm at now. Just because and I didn't exactly sit down. I just stopped doing the things that were important to stay in shape. Sure. You know, the details. But if you can't just i wouldn't recommend to anybody if you want to stay healthy sitting down for two weeks three weeks if you can help it now things happen i would continue to do something a bare minimum that way when you decide to get back up and come back from that um it's not as hard because i have like I, i've said in earlier podcast i've tried 10 15 times to come back from all this it's always something that stops me or something that knocks me back. Mm -hmm. It's just. So that, that leads to an interesting discussion in and of itself. It's like, how do you come back from an extended period of downtime like that? Um, Ooh, we should save that for next week. Cause that's, that is a good, that's kind of a really good topic. Okay. We can, okay. yeah. I mean, we could probably dedicate a full episode to that. Absolutely how to how to i don't want to say how to find your mojo again but get your groove back like uh emperor Cusco. <laughs> i was gonna say oh um stella like stella stella got a groove back no that would actually be a good one we should save that one i like that idea no okay yeah. so what else have you guys learned i know I, i'm telling you all <laughs> my old age uh wisdom what have you guys learned you are the oldest on the you are the oldest of the three of us. So. I, I feel like maybe you guys are just watching me for what not to do, you know. <laughs> Dang it, John. I've, got a, I've got a 10-year head start on you. 
Hey, look you at Will. Ten year head start. You're not look ten at, years older. Than look us. at Will and his fucked up life. I'm gonna make notes about not to do that. Yeah, we'll stay away from that. I can't wait till you make the next promo and it starts out. Just look at Will and his fucked up life. <laughs> um, well, I gave one just like blanket running one, but uh, I'll give I'll give a tr- just like a trail specific one, and that's uh, if you start running trails, especially trails that are increasingly remote one be be like know where you're going and also to <laughs> will scoffing at me <laughs> um, if you're fast enough you can get yourself out of anything <laughs> will, will believes in like a man versus wild type training where you where you drop him blindfolded out of a helicopter in the middle of nowhere and he'll just find his way back to civilization and then if if he dies he dies <laughs> <laughs> But um, at least, ha- but uh, anyways, at least have an idea of like where you're going, and then uh, if it's somewhere that's really remote, just be aware of conditions that exist in the area, um, whether that's um, current weather, animals, wildlife, um, uh, trail conditions, things like that. Ooh, ooh, and another life lesson from Will. And the buddy system: always let someone know where you are going. Yeah. That is true, and if you don't believe that. Set your ass down, find 127 hours on TV yep. and watch it. And you'll learn your lesson real quick because you don't want to be sawing your own arm off in the middle of the desert. <laughs> no, um, and I'm also reading this book right now called uh, Into the Mist. That's uh, about fatalities that have occurred in the Great Smoky Mountains. So maybe that's why it's fresh on my mind. Maybe. Oh, the other life lesson we'll learn. I got another one. Man, I'm old. If you're running especially in the in the southeast if you're running on a trail that's kind of copper colored um look where you put your foot because coincidentally copperhead snakes are also copper colored i learned that the whole way what are the odds oh and i also learned uh, uh, copperheads sometimes after dark will climb up on pavement to warm up when it's been a hot day yep <laughs> learn that lesson too <laughs> we should dig, we should have a segment for every episode will's life lesson of the week that's right <laughs> <laughs> most of them i haven't learned from though so it wouldn't do anybody any good well just because you haven't doesn't mean someone else won't um uh, oh uh an, an ultra running specific one is you do not need to carry your entire pantry in your pack. Somebody should tell you that. What do you like, mean uh, I don't I'm, need I'm, Reese's I'm, cups and cookies and a peanut butter and jelly and all these things? Caramel. I recently saw uh, saw a post I made like before and after my first ultra. It was a 50k, and in my before post, you know, I saw all the stuff like I had set aside to put in my pack to carry with me. And afterwards, when I was reading my race report, I read about what I actually like used and i was like man i carried so much extra stuff that i just did not need <laughs> what about that um uh, there's a picture going around on ultra websites and forums of that that young lady that has the complete bar on her back on the, on the backpack <laughs> i need to find I mean, her, that's run, acceptable run, run, right run her x-rays <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's acceptable the an entire bar yes an entire pantry no on that note, my beer is empty. And it's time for beer number two. So that being said, 
I think I'll bid you all adieu. Is that a, is that is it adieu or am I not Frenching it enough? Adieu. No, that's strange. I usually end my conversations with "fuck you." It's close <laughs> enough. Sounds about right. Begins it, ends it. That yeah. is the conversation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no. Well, all right, people. I hope you learned a thing or two from Will. I mean, uh, from us. <laughs> learn how learn how to ramble about nothing. I sound just like an old man. I, I'm really getting old. <laughs> you just need a rocking chair down on time down on the. Let me the, tell the you something, square. Sonny. <laughs> if no. you go running through the smokies you better have good toilet paper because sooner or later you're going to have to take a shit there you go life lesson number 500 yeah. we learned today no. <laughs> seriously i hope you learned something i'm sure the people who are listening to us are either john's parents sorry mom and dad <laughs> or they <laughs> or they they uh they already no, learned all the no. things that that we haven't but take john, this go ahead. john's parents man john's parents think i'm a good guy they saw that nifty video i made with no cussing nothing i mean i'm really in good with them so so they listen to any episode that we do that's not will no <laughs> will would never say that will is a good man he is a fine man <laughs> let's hope you guys never get mad at me and share any of our chats at any time <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen share this episode with your friends who don't know shit so they can still not learn shit <laughs> <laughs> until next time jason never made an appearance I don't know what Jason's one thing would be. I, I have no clue. Yeah, we all know. It's the same thing it always is. Do not eat ginger chews while running on the trail. <laughs> Avoid ginger oh, chews. And don't listen to Will and his shoe recommendations. He has already brought that up. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.